With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. What is up? Welcome to episode number 278 of On the Corner of the Official Pitchless.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ross. Joined, as always, by Mr. SpawnCon himself, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? SpawnCon? SpawnCon. What? Sponsored content. It's uh, it's what uh, it's what you refer to as sponsored content. Oh, I got to put oh, out some wow. SpawnCon later. And you, we are, we're sponsored again. We got ads left and right. We're making money. <laughs> we, or Mr. PitcherList has sold out, baby. No. We are now no. money machines. Nick coming no. to you with his $5,000 suit. Talking to the guy wearing the ten thousand dollars. Oh my lord! <laughs> this is so far from the truth. Yes, this is this is a sponsored podcast, everybody. Um, and uh, so yes, we have ads in the middle of this. It is my voice. It is also Alex's voice. It's kind of funny. So enjoy that. But anyway, I, I that, that's not what's important. What's really truly important today, fast. Yeah, is that you won Tout Wars. It's why it's why I don't think that's important. It's important is this list that you put out. That's really the important. <laughs> no, 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 no. That who cares? A lot of I, people I took, care. That's why people are I t- listening. <laughs> I, I I took four hours today. It was live stream twitch.tv slash pitchrest, of course, and I went through. It's actually one fifty. The list isn't out if you're listening to this on Monday morning. Uh, it might be. It probably be around noon. I think I have to write all the notes and everything, and I want to do that right. Um, and, and it'll be longer than the normal hour thing that I spend on the, the list in season because this is going to be the foundation for the entire off season. However, before we get to that, I really do want to talk about this. And before, before we get to tout and everything that we're doing, I, uh, I'm going to try and do your spiel. So I, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which is currently down at pitcher list and at Alex fast eight uh, on TikTok and Nick Pollock PL. And I believe Alex fast PL, uh, or maybe it's Alex fast I- eight. Okay. Alex SPL, you're right. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, and then, of course, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Those go a long way for us as well. Uh, we do have postseason and offseason content galore. I'll be doing more live streams. You can also watch all of the pitcher video breakdowns I did this year on YouTube at youtube.com slash pitcher list. Catch up on those. You know, if you don't know these guys, I, I break them down. I teach you who these guys are that we're going to be talking about today, tomorrow, next week, next month. So go check those out. But all right. Enough of it. 
Go get PO Plus. Duh. Go. Duh. You <laughs> Duh. Thank you guys for a great season. And uh, talking about that season, Alex Fast, you won Tower Wars. I won. T- is that a question? No, it's just it's a statement. You won. It's I, and we made a statement. Petrolus made a statement by winning Tout Wars. <laughs> I, I lost in the semifinals of mine, but yeah, but I mean, you went yeah. far. Yeah, f- sure, you won in a roto yeah. league, so well deserved. I, I remember Sunday saying, "Dude, you got this." And he goes, "I don't know, man." I'm like, "What? What's the problem?" So, well, I could lose a couple points here and there. You're up six points. Yeah, but anything I lose, I'll gain. It's like, no. If you lose those points, Al does not gain those points because he wouldn't take them from you. And, you know, my job on times is understanding your anxiety and, and putting you through the day with ease. You know, I have anxiety. You put my days of ease. It's a whole give and take. I love it. And I'm, I'm just so proud of you. And we're going to talk for about five, ten minutes about your team, about the things that you did this year, how you um, you won and yep. what what things you've taken away from the season that you're going to apply, let it be in the draft, let it be in season next year, so you can ensure that you hold on to this championship belt. So let's start here. Let's talk about your draft. What did you do? Well, that's why I'm a little despondent or out of it right now, because I'm looking over my draft for the first time since I did it. And all these different thoughts are kind of washing over me that I'm just going to kind of share with you, both about my team and about how we approach drafts in general and just kind of where I'm thinking. And, you know, so much of what I feel right now, maybe it's just so nihilistic because it's a really cold, rainy day, um, is that it just doesn't matter. And let me let me explain to you, you know, Mm. you and I uh, have so many conversations. There's so many conversations in the fantasy baseball community about what are particular draft strategies. And one of the draft strategies that we hone in on is do you take a pitcher early? Do you pick a pitcher late? Do you start with a pitcher and then skip it and then go for hitting for a few rounds? And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter um, because I'm, I'm going to read off some of the some of the strategies uh, based off some of the top finishers. OK, sure. Yeah. This is actually kind of a very interesting smattering of pitcher strategies. We actually have three very distinct strategies. OK, mm-hmm. so I came in first. Al Melchior came in second and Ray Flowers came in third. And we have three very different strategies here. My strategy mostly that I got away from a little while and I have now re-embraced is Stud pitcher, stud hitter are more likely than not always going to be my one and two, right? Okay. So I started, I was the fit one, two, three, so four, five, six. One thing that's very important clarification is that this was a snake draft, not an auction draft. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Snake draft in, and I should be clear about that. OBP instead of average, every right. other offensive category the same. Mm-hmm. No wins or quality starts, rather just innings pitched. Ah. Okay. Mm. Very nice. I, I dug oh, it. And I'm, then also I'm such a fan of inning pitched uh, uh, leagues. It's way better. It is interesting. I, I have pro, there's pros and cons to it. Um, and then also holds plus saves. Uh, yeah, okay. so, so yeah, yeah, exactly. So my strategy then was, okay, I took Mookie at pick six and mm-hmm. I was happy with that. And then yeah. it ended up being fine. Uh, Acuna went first, then Tatis, then Soto, Trout, then DeGrom, leaving me with Mookie. And that was, in theory, a, a good choice for who was available. Could have gone maybe Trey Turner would have also worked out very well. Right, But I mean, looking back at drafts, that was the top five was 100 percent was in there. So, yeah. yeah, no, no question that that was, you know, was fine. So then the, the, things were moving around and I decide to go with you uh, Darvish over Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer. Mm. 
Um, I then back that up with Clayton Kershaw. So okay. now we're looking good for ERA, whip, and strikeouts. We're not looking good for innings pitched. Sure. Right? Um, but there's my strategy, right? And then the last pick, uh, who, uh, Nick, you know the answer to this question even before I ask it. Who did I take? Who was my next offensive player in round four? Starling Marte. Starling or J.D. Martin. Martinez. But yeah, J.D. Nope. Martinez. Starling Marte. So, yeah. <laughs> no, no, J.D. Martinez. Uh, I didn't lost him in a single league this year. If you guys don't know this, it has been so many drafts I've seen Alex Vasco, Starling Marte, and J.D. Martinez. that They, they complement each other. They do. Yeah. And look at that. Starling Marte. Uh, <laughs> uh, unbelievable year. So there's my strategy, right? First four rounds, I'm feeling good. Two outfielders, two pitchers, that's fine. So Melchior, Al Melchior, and then, by the way, I go all pitchers except for a closer up until round nine, all right? Mm -hmm. So there we have kind of, I I think to you, that would be leaning on pitching early, right? Two aces. Oh, absolutely, yes. 100%. Melchior does what is a modified Nick Pollock approach. What's up, Al? Okay. Jacob deGrom as pick number five so he was ahead of me right then all hitting until round nine that's pretty much what i did in the pl legacy with Degrom, and i think it was round 10 you guys you took alcantara? Get Sandy alcantara yeah i've never been more angry in my yeah, life i remember that because I, I i also if you remember this in the beginning of the season everybody listening uh we talked about our draft in that league and i purposefully picked my my draft spot next to fast <laughs> i thought it would just be the most entertaining one so in the i think you, you had the sixth pick out of the seventh mm. um so i took Degrom at seven and then in the 10th round coming back toward you so for me then you you knew what was going on and you got yeah. you couldn't do anything i didn't do anything it. i didn't i had my pictures <laughs> i was set it was so angry it was um great. so but then who does he get in round nine but maybe a Cy Young in Zach Wheeler. Oh, that's great. Right. So now oh, we're I talking about so much. Oh, yeah. Oh. See, that's, that's great. That is a smart strategy, right? Right. He gets Machado Bogarts, Michael Conforto, Jose Man. Abreu. Oh, I, you know what? I apologize. I apologize. He was showed up as a middle relief. He actually took Carrasco in round six, but then ended up getting Wheeler in nine, oh, but wow. then ended up getting Gaussman in 13. Incredible. I mean, I, I'm shocked, honestly, that Wheeler went the ninth, considering it's an IP league. Yeah. Yeah, that is very interesting. Um, so then, all right, so we have one pitcher early on strategy and then wait. We also have my strategy, which is two pitchers in the first three rounds. And then we go to Ray Flowers. Okay. Mm-hmm. No pitchers in the first four rounds. Mm. Okay. Yelich, Rendon, Bichette, Ozzy Albies. He then, this is really interesting, gets his ace in Brandon Woodruff in round five. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Then two back-to-back not great choices, either because of injury or because of ineffectiveness, in Sonny Gray in round six mm-hmm. and Chris Paddock in round nine. Wow. Okay. His other pitchers that he drafts, Joe Musgrove in the 10th, Paxton in the 16th. Yeah. This is the guy who finished third. Zach Eflin in the 21st. Sean Manaya in the 22nd. Oh, man. And then his second to last SP pick at round 24, Robbie Ray. Oh, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Right. Well, so, there's okay. your, so, there's your three. so, yeah. All right. So my takeaway here, um, and you can you're going to correct me massively. If you're saying all this stuff doesn't matter as much. Right. You're saying that, you know, we're doing like, you know, we have these certain strategies saying this guy or that guy and we don't know how it's going to play out. All that kind of stuff. It just makes me lean more in on uh chasing stuff 
And because essentially that means that the draft doesn't necessarily matter as much. It's about the free agency and uh, the, you know, the, the picks that we make weekly and the ads then then it's about great set yourself up for that more right go go (laughs) do the miss frizzle method as i like to say of take chances make mistakes get messy uh, instead of you know trying to 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 draft your team and hold them tightly right well let's yeah that's a great point here's the counterpoint i won you sure did (laughs) uh and i didn't and i didn't do that I took the two guys early and then my right. my last couple rounds, the last really the I my final pick was Griffin Canning in the okay. 29th. Okay. Sure. But before that, it was mostly hitters with Aaron Savali and coming in round 20. So I mean, so what was your initial staff then? My initial staff was re- so here's the thing too. I didn't end up dropping a lot of these guys. My staff mm-hmm. was Darvish, Kershaw, yep. right? Barrios. Okay, great, great pick in this. Sandy Alcantara on the 12th. Mm, mm. Oh, fast. Why didn't you lead with that? <laughs> uh, Jamison Tyone in the 17th. Okay. Who I oddly held on to for his better second half. Right. And then Aaron Savale, who obviously marred by injury a little sure. bit. Um. So, uh, but then I, I had, I didn't have a lot of pickups, but here were my pickups. Uh. Oh, I can't believe you know what's you know what really burns me you know what really grinds my gears sure chaps yeah, me. me yeah here are some of the people I got and dropped oh, could have been no. better Nick oh no could have been better what my very first acquisition of the year I had four okay two of them were Logan Webb who I ended up dropping after he got sent well, back right home. people don't remember that it was I think six weeks or so and then he got hurt and then mm-hmm. it came back and that's when he actually succeeded yeah so that stunk. Jonathan India, I ended up dropping at one point. Oh, yeah. Well, he didn't click until, what, July? Exactly. Until he moved to uh, the leadoff spot. Some people I did get that stuck around for a while. Alex Wood, April 19th. Wonderful. St- had Wade Miley in May, but that was more of like a, a stream for the innings. Kidding? Yeah. 100%. Didn't end up sticking with him because I think he also might have had a little injury spurt. But then what really kept me afloat, both with innings and with strikeouts, a man that we are going to talk about today as I believe he's coming in at number. Oh, actually, we're not going to talk about it today because he's at 57 is Patrick Sandoval. Oh, Patrick Sandoval was the also Irish, able Irish Panada, the, the Irish Panada. Yes, uh, <laughs> was also able to stream Zach Gallen, which was kind of crazy. And then at mm-hmm. the end of the season, just for two starts, I got Carlos Rodon. Great. But so this is all kind of to say that we saw three distinct strategies work. Right. I guess maybe the through line, as you aptly mentioned, though, is like you got to be active on that wire. And if you're not, that's how you're going to you're going to yeah. you're going to sink. And I, and I got to answer you fast. I mean, you sweated this one out. Mm. You know, you, you you went at it. You made it work. We didn't talk about hitters or not at all here, really. I mean, did you, did you draft an offense and just leave that or did you really move around a bit? I mean, listen, man, uh, you always believe my seventh round pick was Eugenio Suarez and he was terrible. He still got a lot of home runs, but Mookie Betts, Starling Marte, Pete Alonso, Eugenio Suarez stunk. But back to back picks of Mac Muncy and Marcus Simeon. There you go. Simeon. Uh, Jorge Soler, I held on to for the entire year and reaped the benefits of that second half. Right. Um, 
dropped Andrew McCutcheon, drafted Nick Anderson, had to put him on the IL right away. Gene Segura, people made fun of me, Reader. They laughed. Reader, I tell you, they laughed. But also, really, what really kind of helped is 18th round. I, I know, I love saying that. I love, I think it's funny. <laughs> uh, Jesse Winker in the 18th. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that was really probably my most clutch pick. But I was able to, I mean, really what helped me was April 5th, my second stream, uh, Cedric Mullins. There you go. So, I mean, that's, okay, that's, that's okay, that's... That's kind of what won the season, I think, a lot for you. Because, I mean, the, 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 the pitching, you were able to get some stuff off the wire, which is always how you should be playing. And yeah. I'll be honest, Darvish was not a hit. No. Uh, you know, you that was, that was okay, I'm going to go after the pitching. And that didn't work, really. Kershaw. Kershaw. Yeah, that, that blew out. But the fact that he got Sandy Alcantara. And uh, there, was there another starter that I really liked? Barrios. I think there was. Uh, Barrios was Barrios, solid. Yeah. But I think there's maybe a later one that you drafted. I was like, oh, okay, that's a good one. Um, but maybe not. I mean, that's more so to it. Like, you were able to win those pitching stuff because you made those nice uh, additions off the wire. Alex Wood and Patrick Sandoval, as you mentioned. But uh, but really, like, it just shows to me what, you know, the ease of getting guys off of the wire for pitching is is there. While you hit on Winker, you hit on Semyon. Uh, you hit on mm-hmm. Mullins off. The, I mean, mm-hmm. off the wire, yes, but still, that's kind of Marte you know, early first week. Marte, right? Yeah. Uh, and that that gives you that ability to then focus on the pitching stuff, which I think is easier to do. But that's again me. Hi, I'm the one that only focuses on that. I don't want to focus on the hitting stuff. And again, you got Mullins, huge. Mm-hmm. I did that in my Intat Wars as well. I picked up Mullins, that that propelled me a lot when I lost maybe someone named Mike Trout. But yeah. everyone went through injuries and when everyone dealt with stuff, I mean, flowers drafted Yelich like yeah. it happens. So uh, awesome. I'm I'm very, very proud of you fast. I can't, you. you know, all the accolades keep, cl- you know, cluttering <laughs> your office space. You have a Kirby action figure from Japan. No, 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 no. You, you <laughs> have you have a bobblehead of yourself. You have an FSWA award. And now you yeah. have a Tau award. It never got delivered Tau to Wars. me. <laughs> what? Really? I know. I don't have it. And I feel bad for bugging them, but I really no. want it. I that's like funny. really want it too, like, because it happened during the pandemic. So they weren't yeah, able to. That's why. Out, I, yeah, of course. I know I reached out and they're like, it's in my office. I got to send it out. And like, I don't want to bother them, but like, I really want it. I really want it really bad. I really do. I'll, I'll talk to some people on behalf of you fast. Okay. okay I'll thank figure you. It out I like really you. want, I'm very proud of it. So I would like to put it somewhere and it kind of hurts me. I'm proud of it. If you guys don't know, know fast, fast won the FSWA award, of course, with the incredible in 1947. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the intro to CSW Raid article from April 2019. Um, uh, yeah. But anyway, awesome You've heard stuff enough fast. about me. Thank yeah, you. Well, I appreciate you know, it. No one enough. cares. No one cares Everyone about me. cares. No. So we're going to move on to the most <laughs> important part of this podcast, the real no. the real meat, the real potatoes. The, the, you've had the appetizer. Oh, now get God. ready for the entree and the dessert. Fast. It's we're been talking... like a month. Am I going to have to do tears again? You're going to cry? I'm not going to cry, but oh, like, you said, am I going to do tears again? Oh, come on. Wow. <laughs> Look at you. You make fun of what I do. That, that was great. I'm proud of we, you. We, 
we have the top 150 starting pitchers for 2022 list. By the time you're listening to this, it is out. It's live. There are there's not why you why you lie to the people in the in the it's 175. It's 170. Oh, I didn't know it'd be 175. And also, it might not be live when it's when you're hearing this. This will go up like midnight or so. I think this uh the, the the article will come probably around noon. So you might. Yeah, you might be a little ahead of everybody else. All right. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. All Pretty right. cool stuff. We're giving you Pretty even cool exclusive. Because you're a podcast listener and you're awesome. Now, you <laughs> did a live stream today. I did. Yes. And you broke all this down. You, you, it was a long one. I, you know, uh, this is, I feel like this is kind of part of the course when we're talking about these kind of rankings. I want to know, actually, I want to come into it this way. What was your biggest takeaway about starting pitching in 2022 and how, if at all, did it apply to the creation of this list? Mm, okay, so uh, there are a couple things. I mean, anyone that does looks at these ranks is going to think, oh, there are so many guys to go for next year. Mm-hmm. And I remember entering this season, we were all freaking out. Because, oh no, everyone's just going to go 140 innings. There's no way. After after 2020, not a chance. Right? And we had a, a good amount of guys push the 170 that were of quality this year. A good amount. And I, I think we had four or five that pushed over 200 that we were happy about. But uh, there were a lot more volume guys than we thought. And I think we were able to find uh, a good a good amount of replacements for those that, uh, you know, okay, fine, we're not getting 200 innings, but we can, you know, we can get 115 from Alec Manoa and 125 from Shane McClanahan and so on. Yeah. Uh, the, there were so many of those. And it makes for a 2022 season where there's, I mean, I was even looking at it. There's a tier we're not even going to talk about today. Tier eight. Uh, we're going to talk about that in the next week, which is just, I want to get like five of those pitchers. And I know I shouldn't. But I, I, they're gonna. So many of those are going to hit, and that I mean that's like your Kopech and your Boz and your uh, Josiah Gray and oh man, mm. I want to I want to draft all of those guys fast. Yeah. So uh, you know, uh, and there's even the guys like Kyle Muller, who I made I think number one hundred because he had to do something special. So pre- see, I was looking at the I was looking at the one seventy five as the special, but I guess there's two specials. Oh, one seventy five is just no the <laughs> the, the one hundred one to one seventy five is very much like ah whatever you know. I'm just throwing them quickly together. Yeah, I uh, that's not I'm not not nearly putting the the same a uh, craft I uh, or the, the the same focus to that list that I am the top one hundred. But anyway, my main takeaway is just there's a lot to offer. There are a lot more things to target. I uh, and you should feel a lot more comfortable. I think um, I don't know. Hopefully, this season taught a lot of you to be comfortable saying, "Hey, I don't need to get necessarily that one ace." Mm. Um, there are some more definitive ones I think this year than there were last year, but still, you should feel pretty good about grabbing pitchers this draft. One of the big questions that we've discussed recently in in, in episodes of the podcast is the slew of guys that are returning that we didn't either get to see a lot of this year or didn't mm. see any of at all. And I don't want to jump too far down the list 
but it, it did seem like you took a majority of these guys and you said, you know what, I'm just putting them in their own little tier right here. And it's the it's oddly enough, uh, a majority of the uh, who was the third TJS guy we were looking at at the beginning of this year who was going to pitch. It was Severino. It was Syndergaard. And there was, oh, Chris Sale, oh, Sale. Was in a different yeah. in a different part of the list. So right. how are you? Maybe this tier in and of itself answers the question, but how are you approaching a majority of those guys? Yeah. So I uh, so Clevenger, Verlander, Syndergaard, Severino, really the four here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my instinct doing this is that I would probably have my Clevenger higher than the others. Uh, he's the youngest uh, and he's also um it's it's a more fluid system like a, a return right like like with Syndergaard and, and Severino they kind of came back and they had this like they had a lot of obstacles getting back to and Syndergaard's not th- not throwing sliders now and Severino had setbacks during it and now he's in relief and, and whatnot it just seems a little more distant I uh, mm-hmm. from his his astum while Verlander is is old <laughs> and we don't know <laughs> if he's going to be able to come back and be that good self again while Clevenger feels like the more normal return from Tommy John and what he was before was like a top 15 starter so I hope that's the case I have them all here because I think this is so dependent on reports um, yeah one takeaway actually that I should have mentioned before was I'm trying to be more conservative every single year when it comes to certain elements of my uh, my list. And I was really in on returning injured guys this past year. Uh, with Corey Kluber, Jameson Tyone, Carlos Carrasco, Steven Strasburg. Mm. I was thinking, look, this is going to be fine. They're going to be healthy. Everything's going to be okay. None of those hit. And I, I have to think that it's not just a small sample size of four there, that there is something to be said about how much weight I put on these injured guys being healthy again and being able to produce like they used to. Now, I'm not saying that that means that all injured guys are going to be like that, but here we have another four, you know, uh, of Clevenger, Verlander, Syndergaard, Sabrino, essentially where I landed on Kluber and Tyon before. I think all four of these are a higher talent than Kluber and Tyon of what we expected, but still... It's in the back of my head now of I might be more conservative this year when I'm drafting them uh, in 2022. I'm really curious to see a few things at this tier. Luis Severino, I guess I would theoretically put in, I would flip Severino and Clevenger. I understand oh, putting them together. Mm-hmm. Um, my logic for that is Severino is likely the only one who will not have a systematic change you know what i mean he's staying in new york he's staying with that same crew of people mike clevenger is going to have a new pitching coach and i don't know what that pitching coach is going to be in san diego and i don't know how that organization is going to handle him although you would think that they wouldn't put too many kid gloves on him because of how far removed he is from tommy john right no he's not so far right it was uh it was like fall the beginning of this year 20 yeah so that's yeah yeah well right but yeah you never know you know, remember, I remember uh, a couple other guys that was just an extra year. We're like, oh, OK, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, but it'll almost be two years when the time he comes back. It'll be, you know, eight, 19 months, 20 months. Is that right? Yeah. Right? When what? Actually, I got to I got to remember when was when was it announced? Was it was like in March of 2020 for Clevenger or was it? Oh, I don't remember this at all right now. I really should. Yeah, I'm pulling up the article right now. 
No, it was November 17th of 2020. Okay. So it'll be, yeah, it's, it'll be a year, obviously, next month. So, yeah, actually, not as long. So then 13, probably about, so like, So there is 16th. some chance that he doesn't actually start in April, right? Yeah. So then another good reason why I think maybe Severino might be, like, Severino sure. should probably start, unless there's another health setback, which there very well could be. Um, and then Noah Syndergaard, we just have no idea where he ends up and how that organization handles him, right? I personally think it would be smart for him to take a one-year qualifying offer with the Mets just to reestablish his value. It because sounds like that's what he's going to do, yeah. It would make sense. I mean, I imagine he wants to stay in New York. It's an exciting young squad. He likes the team. He likes the atmosphere, from what I can understand. So I don't know why he wouldn't, and no one's going to pay. No one's going to go extra dollars for him. You know what I mean? No one's going to yeah. throw a lot of money at, at Noah Syndergaard right now. Um, so that's why I think I would flip them between Luis Severino. But I, I apologize because I brought us too far down the list because I was curious about <laughs> how you're going to be doing with those injured guys. We should jump into this tier one. And Nick, it's almost as if you took your April Fool's article and you put it into reality. <laughs> you took Jacob deGrom and you put him seventh. Is I this had a joke? To. No, this you, a you joke, know I Nicholas? had to. Just because uh, of the injury threat? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think anybody here. I, we're all on the same page. We know that Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. We also know that Jacob DeGrom cannot get through a full season right now. And we all are, know that this injury risk is very real. So if you feel that DeGrom is worth that injury risk, then by all means, put him first. I even wrestled a lot with saying Garrett Cole is one because I don't feel like he is that unbelievable. But it's just more of the like Mike Trout rule, I think, at this mm. point with Garrett Cole, where I'm not necessarily saying he's going to be number one at the end, but I think he's the highest floor for what he provides uh, for everybody. Um, you know, no real injury concerns, save that hamstring thing. And mm. he'll go out there all the time for the Yankees. He'll get a ton of wins. He'll get a ton of strikeouts. The ratios will be elite. Like you're going to love this. Corbin Burns is very close, but it's just a track record for Cole. And that's, that's why he's at number one. Yeah. I found out something interesting about Cole in, in that changeup usage this year. He's, he used the changeup more than ever this mm. year. Those are a few things. Use the changeup more than ever. He doubled, more than doubled, actually, his career high in changeup usage on two strikes to lefties. All of a sudden, this became a very viable weapon for him to get lefties out. And I thought that was very interesting. And also, for those who might look at this and say, oh, well, I don't know, Gloopgate, Garrett Cole, he can't use that four-seamer anymore. It's, it's not as good anymore. Well, he actually bounced back by the, the end of the year and yep. added another 100 RPM to that four-seamer, giving credence to the notion that pitchers weren't necessarily upset by this rule change. They were just upset by the timing of the rule change exactly. because it could lead to injuries, could lead to stuff like that. So I think one of the things we might hear this offseason is, oh, they can't use any of their stuff anymore. Let's see how they really performed in the second half. Corbin Burns was an example of that. And I just think that given the time that they're going to have, they're probably going to be fine. Oh, yeah. That, I, I really feel that strongly for a lot of guys, say from, say, Garrett Richards. Uh, but I I think for a lot of them, it's just about, you know, Garrett Cole tried to do things differently for a moment because he thought that, oh, without the without it and he didn't have a good feel for it, then he couldn't throw his fastball up and was throwing it down instead. And I think that's just an adjustment period for a lot of guys. Exactly what you're saying. So I'm not really taking it into account for next year. I feel as if they, yeah, just need to recalibrate. 
Uh, and maybe that's the thing for Darvish, but it's really just a back and forth with his command. And he's a premier cherry bomb. And at this point, it's hard to trust that he can, you know, he can honestly have an amazing first two months and make all of us look stupid. Mm. But then it can also fall apart after that. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of things. What One way or another with Darvish, I know I'm getting ahead of this, but come May 25th, they're going to be victory laps that should not be had either way. And it's going to look silly by the end. You're talking about Darvish? Yes. Yeah, we're going to get to that a little bit. We'll that. <laughs> that's that's a that's an affront, what you've done to that, man. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a slap well, in the face. All right, so, so it's Cole Burns, Bueller, Woodruff, Scherzer, Wheeler, DeGrom in this first tier. Uh, just in yeah. case you guys are wondering, I feel like they're all the high ceiling of, obviously, but also high volume expectations, save for DeGrom, because it's, but then again, it's DeGrom, so... Ta-da. Well, I'm I, I, I'm not letting you go that easy. Um, Dang it! Uh, talk to me about Burns versus Bueller. Uh, I, I, I listen. I'm not letting you go that easy because you mentioned to me twice in the three times we hung out in the past two weeks that you wanted you wanted this. You wanted the you wanted the the you know the not the pushback, but you wanted the like. All right, oh, I gotta I be see. able to look yeah, at this yeah. and well, say, this you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not upset. I get to talk more about pitching right now. I, I so desperately wanted to just throw in an f bomb just to be like, well, in that case, what the? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm the one who edits the podcast fast. Okay, uh, Corbin Burns and Bueller. It's pretty simple. I mean, this year uh, Bueller was able to go over 190 innings, I believe, and that's great. Or maybe it's 185. I don't remember. Uh, no, it's Walker close. Bueller had the second most innings in baseball. Okay, good. 200 plus. Then? 207. Ah, 207. Love it. Love it. Okay. So the difference is Corbin Burns was limited by the Brewers and pitched around 165 or so. And I don't think that gap is going to exist next year is what I'm getting at. Corbin Burns is going to actually be allowed to just pitch the entire season for the Brewers next year. So that gap is smaller. The uh, I think we can all kind of agree that the ERA and whip of Bueller is excellent, but I don't think that there's another step to take maybe with the strikeout rate at 26 percent but it's this is kind of what we envisioned for Bueller and that's that I uh, that means that burns as far as potential goes higher strikeout rates more total strikeouts the uh, the innings should be somewhat similar I still want to give the edge to Bueller uh, as far as innings go like 200 and change okay mm-hmm. uh well Bueller by burns is probably like 190 something like that I mean guessing innings and Pitch counts is the stupidest thing and the most annoying thing there is. Yeah. So I, I mean, the quality per inning goes to Burns. I think we can all kind of agree with that at this point. Uh, so with that in mind and the gap of innings not so massive, I leaned with Burns. I'm really having my mind blown right now. Okay. Is that right? Uh, not because of your arguments, but because of what the arguments are leading to in my head, my own personal arguments. So my, my rebuttal to that was, will the Milwaukee Brewers ever be a team that lets a starting pitcher go 200 innings, right? Are they Because they're lead, they didn't, uh, even Brandon Woodruff didn't eclipse 180. He came close, but he didn't do it. Sure, right? but then again, they slapped 100 innings from last year, and that was essentially what they did to Woodruff. 100%, but this also doesn't seem like an ideological change from what they've done in the past, and that could be because in the past they were bringing up Burns and Woodruff. They right. were, like, stretching them out a little bit more, yep. or it just could be they're doing what the Tampa Bay Rays did, and that mm-hmm. led me to uh, another very interesting thing that blew my mind. So 
who oh maybe this wasn't sorted properly who led the rays in innings pitch this year ryan yarbrough um i don't think it was ryan yarbrough i think this is all pitchers i'm just making sure that this is correct they didn't have yeah it it wasn't could be michael walker even you, you, uh, I apologize. You were yeah. correct. It was it was Ryan Yarbrough. Whew. Yes. And how he had like two hundred. Uh, excuse me, one hundred and fifty-five innings yeah. pitched. Okay, that's insane. Yeah, that's kind of nuts. But I don't think it's much of a surprise to anybody that because uh, Tampa. Cons- I mean, it's Tampa Bay, and it would have been Tyler Glass now. Um, and yeah, Shane McClanahan had one hundred twenty-one or so, something like that. One twenty-three. Um and yeah, I mean they're they're a reliever team. I I started adding in September to all the SP roundup blurbs whenever it's a bullpen game. I was like, every day needs to have a bullpen game. It's twenty twenty one, and that's the rules. Yeah, and that's just kind of like the Rays started that, you know. And it's they they did it so often. It's it's crazy when you realize that the number two starter for the the Rays likely is Shane Boz, but I guess it's going to be Drew Rasmussen and. I might. I've already have regrets to my ranking. I might even change it uh, before tomorrow about Drew Rasmussen. I, I kind of dropped the ball during the live stream on him, and I think I might even have him inside the top one hundred. Um, but there's another conversation to be had about that another time. And you can switch uh, Bueller and Burns while you're <laughs> at it. Uh, Absolutely let's, not. <clears throat> I just think that I. I mean, we. I. I, I don't think we're giving enough credit to the fact that. Walker Buehler threw over 200 innings. I don't think that was, I don't think, I think even if I made that one of the bold predictions at the beginning of the year, everyone still would have been like, uh, no, that's not possible. Right. I mean, we, we didn't really expect that the Dodgers would fully <clears throat> let him go. Just, just nuts. But what you want to know what's crazy? Despite, despite 167 innings and versus 201 or so, right? 200 and two seven, uh, 207. 207. More strikeouts from Burns. Uh, 234 from Burns uh, with uh, 204 for, for Bueller. That's a – and keep in mind that the innings gap is just going to get smaller. You're going to mm-hmm. have a sizable amount more strikeouts likely from Burns. I can understand the argument that Bueller should be better than a 26% strikeout rate. He did start off really slowly with that, and I, I could see that happening. But Burns had a 36% strikeout rate, and maybe that does come down. But still, with this 40 40- – you know, 40 hitting gap, like more, you know, 30 more strikeouts from Burns is pretty significant. Yeah, it is interesting. You're right. It's so close. It's close in whip. Obviously, Burns gets the advantage in terms of uh, of K's, like you said. W's, you know, wins is probably going to lean Bueller, but that's why you're going to even really rely on that. It's interesting. It really is interesting. That That is something... Um, uh, that's a, that is a tough one, um, but we spent too long in tier too one. Long. These guys are great. Uh, so long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, tier two. This is also going to turn a lot of heads, and that is Robbie Ray, the likely AL Cy Young winner, behind the Golden Boy himself, <laughs> Mr. Sandy Alcantara. So what yeah, do you think? Yeah. Okay. So I debated so much with tier two here. Um, Alcantara, Robbie Ray, Julio Urias, Lance Lynn, and Kevin Gaussman. Uh, Alcantara and Ray. So Robbie Ray has a history of being very volatile, and he's clicked in his third start essentially and said, you know what, I'm going to stop trying to nibble around the edges with heaters. I'm going to throw fastballs on the middle. Um, 
and it obviously worked uh, a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Slider then improved as well. I remember also watching this at my end. He had success with this without a slider working, and let's see what happens when it does, and it did, and the rest is history there. But he did have a 90% left on base rate along the way, uh, and he still has the same home run fly ball rate he's always had, around a 1.5 uh, for Robbie Ray. Had a massive reduction in um, Babbitt, but I will say for Robbie Ray that he had his huge drop in walk rate. We're talking sub 7% and always double digit rates in the past. And generally, when you see a lower walk rate, you're going to also have a lower hit per nine often because, I mean, it goes back and forth sometimes. Like, oh, you throw too many strikes and so then they can hit it. But when you are, have such a high walk rate, it makes it so that you create all these good counts for hitters. Mm. So that now that when they swing, they're going to be looking just for the pitch that they want to swing at. Which then leads to higher BABIPs as well. So I'm not too shocked by it. I don't know if necessarily he's going to have a 6 and 0.9 hit per 9 again for Robbie Ray. But it should still be dramatically lower than he's seen before. And as for Sadie Alcantara, I think he just keeps getting better every single year. I mean, we saw him really lean into it in the second half is when he did the, the Zach Wheeler transition of recognizing, oh yeah, my slider is actually really good when paired with 100 miles per hour. Mm. So I'm going to throw that more. And the starts when he threw over 30% sliders, he absolutely dominated. And Alcantara then also has this really good changeup as well. It's it's the makings of a legitimate ace, and you're going to get 200 innings from Alcantara likely next year. I mean, it, it, the guy's just going to go the entire year. Um, he goes deep into games. It's it's everything that you really want, and I think there's a little bit more of a understanding of like, oh yeah, Alcantara is not going to be bad and detrimental for you, a little bit more so than it is with Robbie Ray. So I I'm a huge Robbie Ray fan. I'm a huge Alcantara fan, but I had to give it to Alcantara as just a little bit more sustainable. Yeah. So behind, I mean, I, behind that is Julio Urias as well, who's another guy who is theoretically I, continuing to. So shocking to me. I had no expect. I, I did not expect myself to put Urias at 10, but he was just so good. And here's the fact of his changeup wasn't that great. Mm. And he, he isn't unlock it. It used to be a really good pitch for him, and it's not anymore. It's just fastball curve. Now, that, that curveball that we talked about where you combine the two breaking balls into one, really. And it's been fantastic. But when he gets that changeup, too, you, know, you want to talk about all the luck or whatever he had this year, then that gets evened out. I mean, he threw 180 plus innings. I uh, kind of crazy. Wasn't he that lucky too? It feels like he was fine. It doesn't feel like he was particularly lucky. There's, there's a little bit, but just uh, the way I see it with Urias is that he's just going to get better now. <laughs> well, I mean, it feels like we find it's funny. We never talked about it in this context, but it's like, this is the season that we wanted to get out of him for so long because the leash right. was finally let up 185 innings after throwing 55 last year. Yeah. We did not expect that at all, especially from the Dodgers and Dodger writers. But I think the problem there was that price and Gonsolin and may just did not give them the innings that they wanted. And they had to rely on our Ar- Arias. Also, of course, and, you have Kershaw going with this thing too. And Trevor Bauer, oh, of course. Oh yeah. That man, I completely forgot about that. I'm glad that I, I try to moment. every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, but with uh, but the luck I'm talking about, by the way, it's the sub 10 home run five ball rate. But honestly, yeah, you're right. Like, I shouldn't really be counting that as luck because he's always been a sub 10 yeah. percent home run five ball rate. So, yeah, this could just be like great with Julio Orias throwing over 180 innings next year. And hopefully he has a better change up, too. It could be really, really great. So I had no choice. I put him at 10. Man, that really is an interesting point now that we brought it up about a possible regression in innings for 
the Dodgers as a result of their circumstances changing, right? Like the, oh, the slew of things yeah. that you just brought up could be the exact reason why we saw Walker Bueller go that many innings. They obviously had to keep pitching him because they were behind the Giants by one game for what felt like 5,000 <laughs> days. You know what I mean? So they just constantly had to chase them. So that is interesting to think about whether or not those totals are going to be sustainable moving forward. The last guy I actually want to talk about this year. So we also have Lance Lynn, who had, again, one of the best fastballs in all of baseball, and we got to stop counting him out to do anything else than that uh is kevin gaussman who obviously again starts the season just proven everyone who ranked him too low wrong and then um he you know goes on the bereavement list he comes back the splitter doesn't work for a little bit he kind of finds it in the last couple weeks of the season here so this is this ranking is kind of assuming that it's more you know more first half than it is second half struggles yeah so the first two tiers here i decided to group it like this because i think through the first 12 all of them give you the volume Mm. all of them give you okay you know that they're going to start through the year unless an injury hits uh there's no real question marks about are they can be eased in are they you know there's a lot of volume here and also volume that you can depend on i mean kevin gaussman did his thing in 2020 came back did his thing again in 2021 he had that moment he was a little bit out of it got the feel for the splitter back i feel you know i feel solid about that um if you look at tier three it's shane bieber and you're shane bieber chris sale jack flaherty lucas giolito freddie peralta luis castillo all of them have some sizable warts attached and i i I looked at tier two and thought yeah i feel so much more confident uh start to start with all of tier two than i do of tier three if you told me that something went wrong, it would be more so that I would believe it tier three than I would in tier two. So let's move on to tier three then and talk about those warts starting with Shane Bieber. What do you foresee? Why don't you do actually a quick rundown of everyone's warts? <laughs> <laughs> it's my dream come true fast. Yeah, exactly. Oh God. Uh, yeah, all, I, cause, only negative for a moment. Yeah, I mean, no, I no, no. Just, I mean, yeah, it's, I'm, it's I'm just you know, joking. Yeah, yeah, okay. Shane Bieber just came back, and his command wasn't right, and he was throwing softer. Uh, it was really startling. What's the one, one characteristic that you know of? Like, what are the main two ones of Shane Bieber, if you just off the top of your head? To me, probably like fastball, curveball. Right, like his fastball, he can pinpoint his fastball, and the not the best fastball ever, but he can put it where he wants. Yeah. And then the, you know, the, the curveball and slider, where Bowie's under the zone, gets lots of whiffs, right? The slider was there. But uh, fastball's coming in softer. Normally, it's like 92, 93. It was 90, 91. Uh, and he was, he, he had so many waste fastballs. And it was very atypical of Shane Bieber. Now, two starts come back from an extended IL trip. Has the entire winter. I'm going to kind of push that away. But I'm also not going to ignore the fact that he came back and was not just him. And mm-hmm. as someone who has been over uh you know given too much of the benefit of the doubt lately of of injured guys returning you know i felt you know what yeah i'm gonna put him in tier three instead of maybe some other guys i want to put him above say robbie ray or or something like that um same kind of goes for jack flaherty uh who came back wasn't his best uh i would expect 180 plus innings from jack flaherty the the cardinals are going to say look we have adam wainwright thankfully back for another year and then um, Miles Michaelis and mm. what? You know, it, yeah. it's not much. Dakota Hudson, I guess, coming back. But they need Jack Flaherty. So I would think that Jack Flaherty can get back to the groove that he's supposed to get going. And honestly, in the beginning of the year, he was good. It wasn't amazing, but it was it was really good. You know, you were happy with Jack Flaherty. 
So hopefully he can get back to that, but we don't know. Chris Sale, changeup was not as good this year uh, in the zone. That used to be a a legit like CSW pitch. We're talking over 40% CSW offering. It was just not this year. It's closer to 30%, uh, if even that. And uh, just got destroyed inside the zone. The, the batting average, I believe, was 450 on it mm-hmm. on changeups uh, from Chris Sale. The fastball velocity was back and forth, but really... That was the the, the problem. Uh, sliders were still doing the same thing he normally was. Fastballs, for the most part, were still doing well. Uh, so as long as he can get that change of back, things would be fine, but we don't really know. Lucas Giolito is like a destined 3-5 year rate guy. He's just a better Jose Barrios at this point. Jose Barrios, yeah. He's just a better one. That's all. Uh, <laughs> and that's Giolito. And, you know, sometimes this change up is there. Sometimes it's gone. And it's really, really frustrating. Freddie Peralta, I still have my worries about the crossbody mechanics. And if someone is going to be limited on the Brewers next year, it would be him, I would think. It was a, it was fewer innings than Burns and, and Woodruff. So the the idea of 180-200 is not really there for Peralta, I don't think. Uh, it's, but it's something to consider there. And yeah, I just, I'm a little bit terrified that there's still a bit of chaos left inside of uh, his mechanics. And Luis Castillo had a 134 whip. I understand it was much better since yeah. June. Trust me, I get this. Much, but it was still a 120 whip. You want to do his cherry picked best until the end of the year. That's always going to be a problem, I think, for for Castillo. He actually, even looking in at the individual starts, rarely had a game under a one whip. And I know that doesn't sound like, well, yeah, well, let's fine. Let's say he has a 110 whip. But yeah, when you have a 110 whip is when you have a 150 whip, and then you have like a 0.7 whip, and you combine them to be 110 or so. But Castillo was just constantly like. If I'm not going to allow hits today, I'm going to allow walks and and so on and so forth. And yeah, it it just never felt like I am elite. I am consistent. I am going to dominate every day. That just is not the the attitude of Castillo. And he fights himself much more than the batter typically. So those are the warts of tier three. But they're all really good pitchers. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. In the top 20. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean... I feel like it's difficult for me personally to give too much credence to those last two starts, but then for Bieber, but then to me, those warts aren't too, I, I, mean, I they understand, are just, but yeah. it's like, if you really, I don't know, there's just this thought of like, Hey, when you're not ever supposed to be like that. Right. And I, I know that's so silly. And that's why he's at, he's at yeah. 13. You know, if I, I guess, really didn't believe this, then I would put him at like 50 or so. Right. I hear what you're saying because it's like this is a guy that would never be a still ill, right? He would just never be. Yeah, exactly. But I think in the circumstances of what was happening, coming back for a team, not making a playoff push in the final two starts of the year, they had nothing to gain by having him throw anywhere near well, 100%. Yes and right? no. Well, what do they have? So you're saying, oh, you're saying you're 100%. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's the idea. You, know, you want to come back. I think Savali was even talking about it. Be like, I want to come back. I want to make sure I have that start and mm-hmm. really like showcase that, no, no, I have this going into the offseason on a good note and everything like that. Uh, so I understand why they wanted him to come back for that. And it may be like they rushed him slightly so that he could do that. Uh, yeah, maybe. maybe. That could be it. I don't know. But I can't, I can't get it out of my head. Like, please just don't be that. <laughs> You know, that's now a possibility that I didn't really put much credence towards before. So we're going to go ahead and break into tier four. But before we do, we're going to have a quick little message from our sponsor. 
Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Wow, fast. Uh, with these, you know, with that, we might go a little bit long on our podcast. Yeah, it sounds about right to me. Uh, we're going into <laughs> tier four. We're finally at 19, 19 through 29, and that's Carlos Rodon, Joe Musgrove, Aaron Nola, Shane McClanahan, Alec Manoa, Max Fried, Frankie Montas, Lance McCullers, Clayton Kershaw, Charlie Morton, and Pablo Lopez. We're going to bounce around a little bit here, but I want to start with a guy that it seemed like there was some concern as he was coming up, really electric debut against the Yankees. Still a little bit of a concern about his command, and that's Alec Manoa. So you settled on 23, ended the year with a bang, with I think the exact number was 430 whiffs on his fastball against the Orioles in his final start. <laughs> yeah, that sounds uh, about right, it, yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm a little <laughs> too conservative there. I think it actually was 14. Like, it was an insane amount of whiffs and an insane whiff rate on that pitch. Where is your mindset at with Manoa in terms of that command? So, I mean, I feel pretty great about Manoa. It's The thing is that we have to acknowledge him as a two-pitch pitcher. Because uh, his changeup, I got really excited about in the debut that he had this changeup and slider that he could throw at any count on top of a fastball that was doing well against the Yankees. Manoa really has not had a good changeup since. I've been waiting yeah. for it. I've been searching for it. I uh, owe swing at 25% of the changeup, 6.4% swing strike rate on a changeup. What? The league average is like 16%. And you can't, you can't do that. Uh, it's just it's 21% CSW on it. However, the slider is just so good. Uh, it throws in the zone 45% of the time. It gets a 33.5 CSW. That's crazy. That's, just, that's 146 batting average allowed on it. Uh, meanwhile, the fastball... 14% swing strike rate across all of his fastballs. That's unreal. That's ooh, that's unreal. That's, that's fantastic. 30% CSW on it. And he's just going fastball slider right now. The only concern is that it is a limited. Uh, he's not going to go. Maybe he goes 180 next year. Is 100 and uh, like 20, 130 combined with AAA in the majors. So it's not it's not the same i uh, it's not the same amount of workload like Shane McClanahan and him are both in the same vein of that way of like you're both supposed to get about 170 or so next year yeah i like the depth of McClanahan a little bit more yeah uh, and i feel that this overall stuff just speaks more to dominance but i understand those that want to say look like the jays are going to let him go six more than McClanahan on the rays that's not a bad argument at all uh, I get the sense that McClanahan came up. They were limiting him. Then they finally let him go a bit in August or as July and August and then say, OK, cool. We made the playoffs like we're going to slow you down now. Uh, and that's kind of the the parabola of the or the bell curve of McClanahan's innings for the year. Um, and I feel like they're going to let him start off throwing six innings 
2022. So that's why Shane McClanahan is one above Manoa, but I'd be very happy with both. Yeah, Manoa, I, I, it's it's interesting. Kind of, I feel like I'm at a kind of at a crossroads with him because on one hand, I think that we almost saw what I think his ceiling can be. But on the other hand, I do feel like if he actually forms a consistent changeup, like you said, when like you like there were moments where he did that changeup in that first start against the Yankees where I was like, oh, my God, just the way that it moved into right handed hitters. It was just like, wow, this is paired with that slider. That is nasty. But like you said that there was no consistency to that pitch. So I'm at a weird crossroads where I can't tell if he's just going to fall off, if he's going to turn into a four seam slider guy and just kind of eschew that sinker and turn into Robbie Ray light. Or if he's gonna find that changeup and take a next step, and that's that to me is how people draft him next year, whether or you not know, you believe he can do that or not. It was really funny that debut. Uh, I remember saying, "Oh, the slider is good shape, but it's not really doing what I want it to be." It only had an eight percent swing strike rate, while his changeup had a twenty three percent swing strike rate, and oh. that just pretty much reversed as the season went on. I uh, and you know, debuts aren't everything. No, <laughs> as much as I like to say, that. like, "Oh, I understand this guy now." Nope. Yeah. You need a we lot. We learned more that a sample. lot. Uh, we learned that a lot this year. We also learned that Aaron Nola's got a little bit lower of a floor than we would have liked to have think that he had as he comes in at 21. Man, why, when was the last time Aaron Nola was outside your top 20 uh, oh, coming into uh, 2016, in a, uh, maybe 17? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah. It's not fun, but I think anyone listening goes, oh, yeah, he had a bad year at 463. Okay. <laughs> I get it. But it was still a 112 whip and a 30% strikeout rate and a 32% CSW. And the question really is if his changeup is going to be a great pitch again. 26% CSW for the entire season. Last year was 30%. Uh, It it just isn't Mr. Dependable um, as it used to be. But curveball still is one of the best curveballs in the game. 40% CSW on that. His four-seamer and his sinker, the, the command goes in and out a little bit too much. But... I I really do feel that we saw the worst of Nola here and had some bad luck, obviously, uh, with the long ball. As I mean, anytime you see a whip that low of one twelve and an ERA that doesn't match, uh, that's that's a problem with the long ball a little bit. Fourteen percent is home run five ball rate in this one. Left on base rate under seventy percent, which is also low as well. It's just guys were efficient against him, and that shouldn't be a consistent thing. So. I think you're going to get volume, and that's a very good thing. Don't forget, 223 strikeouts for Aaron Nola this year is really good. That's yeah, a lot of strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, and the whip uh, is good. And so, okay, the ERA hurt you, but it's not like he just hurt you, hurt you across the board. Yeah, and I believe the curveball was still a top 10 CSW pitch. It was the third best CSW pitch in baseball this year. 73% strike rate. Love that. You know the best CSW pitch in baseball this year? Oh, I did, and I forgot fast. It's a curveball. Uh, among starters. Among starters. Oh, okay. Uh, curveball among starters. Was it Wainwrights? Mm-mm. I knew this. Hold on. Nope. Hit me. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi. Oh, I, I know. This is the pitch I didn't believe in. Isn't that funny? <laughs> the bestiest. Well, I mean, there were times uh, when I it would just go that. away, and then the Yankees uh. just destroyed it. Like there were well, times yeah, where but then yeah, the second half, everything changed except no. I mean, I'm talking about a start two weeks ago, his penultimate <laughs> start against the Yankees, two and two thirds, seven earned runs, 
he had 10 curveballs with one whiff and no called strikes, and they destroyed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe they do that again tomorrow night. Um, the last two guys I want to talk about are the two chaperones in this uh, field trip tier we have here, the old men. Look at Clayton you, Colin, Kershaw. Colin, you know, giving the tiers names instead of me. I love it. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw, Charlie Morton, two different sides to two different coins. Clayton Kershaw, what the heck do you do with that forearm injury? And that we'll get more clarity at this point. I just kind of threw him there. I was like, yeah, right. This is going to change. And we can all acknowledge that. I was actually even tempted to throw him into the, uh, the four injured guys uh, with Clevenger and Verlander and whatnot because of that, but decided not to do it. Yeah, it's tough. We're definitely gonna have to wait and see. And then Charlie Morton summates that old guys can still do it. He and Adam Wainwright really blowing a lot of people away. There was one point this year where that curveball was maybe the best pitch in all of baseball. Uh, and then that actually probably got overtaken by Nathan Eovaldi's curveball, which gave up one home run on the year, which is crazy. That, that, that um, absolutely crazy. And it was just a Jarlo, Giancarlo Stanton, and it wasn't that long ago. Uh, Charlie Morton. I believe they already extended him for another year with a team yes, option in 2023. One, yeah, one year deal for next year. The uh, <laughs> one thing we forget about Charlie Morton is that he's supposed to be an injury risk. <laughs> he's supposed to be someone that was not supposed to last through a full year, right? Mm-hmm. And he just he survived in, in flying colors in this one. I mean, yeah. 185 plus innings. Uh, 194 in 2019, 167 in 2018. He started made nine starts in 2020 for the Rays. And I hope that he can survive one more. I think he can, you know, he's, but that's that's the biggest question to me about Charlie Moore. Not the effectiveness. I mean, he's going to be 38 next year. Um, his whip totals have always been fantastic, say for last year's weirdness. He got his velocity back by the end. I remember this actually now. We were debating the offseason what Charlie Morton is going to be like. And we're like, no, no, velocity's back. It should be okay. We all mm. freaked out in April. And we also, you know, we were saying, hey, it's okay. Stay with it. I'm glad it worked out. 334 ERA at the end of the day. 104 whip and a 29% strikeout rate. It's it's great. It's it's funny, though, that it's just fastball curveball, though. And the the cutter doesn't show up nearly as much as it used to. I do get a sense that there is going to be a little bit of a fall off next year, given the age, given uh, the survivability of two pitch can happen, but over a long period of time, it's not as believable. Um, So I'm a little one. I wonder if I'm going to be a little bit lower on Charlie morning come February, but for now I felt that he had such a good season that I couldn't, couldn't drop him more. Yeah, it's tough to. It's, I feel like it, we often, you know, sometimes it can be easy to write off a particular person because of age. And now that is just really not the case <laughs> without yeah, right, right and right. Charlie Morton. You bring up such an interesting thing, too, that I'm trying to think of what the best way to kind of explore or get a concrete answer with is. And it feels like, and this might have been a conversation we had a long time ago, or I think I heard a pitching coach have this conversation where you don't need a there's so many guys that don't need a third oh pitch. yeah well right yeah i've said uh, the three pitches you need are a fastball that you or like a pr- primary heater so it could be a cutter for example mm-hmm. that you can throw for a strike with confidence like get it over the plate with a strike so i mean sometimes those maedas i was just like 39 or 29 of the time or whatever but as long as you can throw it for a strike, okay, good, without being demolished. You need a secondary pitch you can get whiffs on and a secondary pitch you can get strikes with. For guys throwing two pitches, oftentimes that that slider, that curveball, gets both of those last two things filled. 
Mm-hmm. But the thing is, there are often days with those guys where they suddenly can't get a strike. And that's the problem. That's when you have issues because there isn't a backup plan. Uh, that That's always the concern with it. But Morden didn't run into it. Adam Wainwright didn't run into that this year. Yeah. Uh, Manoa didn't run into that. So we'll see Robbie how Ray. Robbie Ray didn't. Yeah. He was, I mean, he didn't even need the... He didn't even need that with the secondary. The fastball just that good. But I mean, that was a. I should I should rephrase that as in you need a pitch to get strikes with on two ends. But then also the whiff pitch doesn't need to be a secondary pitch. It can be mm. a heater. Yeah, it's very interesting. I I mean I don't know how I could find this on a league wide level. So it's fully you know a hypothesis. But it just seems like we had more two pitch starters this year than than really I, ever before. I think more guys believed in throwing a higher rate of secondary pitches. The past three years, we've seen this increase. Yeah, and We've seen like, oh, this is my best pitch. You know, I think Wasker Noah threw 70% sliders the other day. Did he really? I think it was something like that, and it blew my mind. I was like, yeah, I get it, because your fastball was really bad that day. <laughs> so that actually brings us perfectly into our next tier and maybe our final tier of the day. It feels like we've had a lot of... Or do you want to that's keep going? Fine. We can do we can do top forty. We can do top yeah, forty. Okay. Yeah, top yeah, 40. Okay, okay, we've great. gone a little bit long in this one. And we I want to talk about these guys because there's some interesting rankings here. So in, in tier five, 30 to 39, we're looking at Otani, Snell, Cease Webb, Barrios, Gallon, Rogers, Waskari Noah, you Darvish, and Tyler Molly. So let, let's talk about the elephant in the room. You already addressed this a little bit. You Darvish, very low behind a lot of guys who have had good seasons, no doubt. But one good season. Oh, I thought you were going to say Shoei Otani because, of course, he pitched over 100 innings. Uh, no, um, <laughs> we already got to Lance McCullers and him throwing more than Hazel Cesardo. There so it is. Oh, yeah. You destroyed oh. me on that one. I, Hazel Cesardo, listen, I thought about you so much when I read about him in the first pitch podcast this week. How dare that man do that on the final start of the year to throw oh, yeah. this community in a tizzy? Just, we don't know. Now well, we I mean, don't the, know. The entire month of September for Jesus Lazardo has been very interesting where he started to throw fewer fastballs, more changeups and curveballs finally. And I think there is something to that. But we're going to talk about that next time uh, with you, Darvish. He's the premier cherry bomb. And, and as I hinted at before, it's just command goes in and out every single game. It's not the stuff at all. The stuff is always there. It's not the spin of it. You, I mean, you could, or it's not the the um, the sticky stuff. It could. You can make an argument that the sticky stuff made it so that you know the grip isn't right, so that he doesn't have as much command of it. Maybe, but it, it really, you know, start by start, that would go back and forth, and that makes him the most cherry bomb of cherry bombs, really. So mm-hmm. considering the headache. And how I draft guys, I try as hard as I can. Get me four guys that I do not have a headache about and do not ever consider moving or regretting or whatever. Hugh Darvish is someone that could be very regrettable. So, 38. Man, literally coming off a career worst year in terms of in terms of a lot of things. I mean, ERA most notably is really his worst ERA with over 100 innings pitched at 4.22. One of his worst uh, uh, FIPs. I mean, there was a, a 4.18 in 2019, sub 30% K rate, which he hadn't done over 100 innings since 2017. Just not a great year for him. Yeah. Not, 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 I, hey, Bob. And I do wonder if the whole Padres thing, like you're talking about, uh, 
you know, I, affected in some way, and maybe it can be corrected for 2022. I just don't believe in Larry Rothschild. I never have believed in Larry mm-hmm. Rothschild as an effective pitching coach. I didn't think he was an effective pitching coach when he was in New York. And I am very curious to see what they do with a guy like you, Darvish, moving forward. But I think I I still believe in him more than a guy like Waskari Noah, who still, I mean, there is another poster child for a two-pitch mix, right? You just hit the nail on the head. He went 70% sliders in one of those right. starts. And I just don't know. I mean, it's unfair to me to say I don't know how sustainable that is because, as I've said, we've seen plenty of pitchers who succeed with two, um, just two pitch types. But Darvis just seems like he's got that breadth of arsenal. And Inoa's track record is such that I'm not sure if I trust it quite yet. Yeah, I I mean, I'm having a lot of feelings about Darvish's spot. Uh, there's also the case that is incredibly good. I'm saying, like, look, you just talked about Aaron Nola and pushing that away. Mm, yeah. And pretty much Darvish had the same Stevens and actually a slightly better ear, right? When you look at it, uh, how can you, you know, be such a fan of, of Nola and not Darvish here? Um, and my argument there is, uh, or at least my decision for that is, I think that Nola is going to flatten out the, uh, well, he's going to smooth out the the bad starts more so than I believe Darvish can. Uh, but now with Waskari Noah, I think what we saw in the second half was him just losing a little bit of his rhythm. Uh, mm-hmm. He had he was in such I, I really don't want to forget how good Waskari Noah was at the beginning of the year before he slammed his hand after a bad start against Milwaukee. I mean, earned run totals. I feel like it's all I need to do. Uh, zero one six two zero zero one. Right. And he was just cruising. He was in mm-hmm. such a good rhythm throwing fastballs and sliders. And keep in mind, the fastball is like 97. And his slider gets a ton of whiffs. Yeah. It, it's a glorious thing. Strikeouts were not a problem near 10K per nine for Noah, you know, on the season. I, I, I get the, uh, the, the question of volatility. He didn't even go deep into games. He didn't go six innings in any of his last six starts of the year. There's a lot of things to be concerned about with Eno in that way, but I think it was a case of just not being in rhythm again. Uh, and give me a proper offseason. You had the injury. It really just messed him up. Uh, I think that Noah is going to be someone you start every day and feel pretty good about it. Pretty much a better version of Tyler Molly, I think. That's kind of how I put it like this. You know, it's uh, about the home now, park at least. Right. And, and Darvish, yeah, maybe Darvish, Darvish actually belongs in the tier above, and I might in the end do that i think i am but yeah. I, at this at the same time i think the the purpose of these ranks is to really take the feel of the season at this moment and not let that dissipate into the, sure. the depths of winter and there's a feeling right now of just darvish what on earth is going on and that doesn't make me confident that's why i pushed him as far down as i did god that's such an interesting argument to have too because it really walks the line of what we how we gauge biases right Mm. because theoretically we could be saying like i I don't want to choose either way it's very valid to remember darvish struggled he was inconsistent he couldn't find his command those are really important things but then also that kind of flies in the face of the other thing which we hold sacred which is larger sample sizes which is you know bigger swaths of data so it's and this is kind of begs the point of like I saw a lot of things, and this is no criticism of any individual person, but there's a great Tout Wars panel question that we all answered of, like, when does your research begin? 
Right. And a lot of people were like, my research starts right now. I'm already plugging into the 2020 thing. And, you know, obviously we've got this great list and I have no problem with that. People can do the research that they want to do. I really went the other way. Like, I, I think it's important to take a month reset mm. where you're not thinking about it whatsoever. Well, so you can try and take away any of these biases that you're dealing with and just look at the numbers. Yeah. So so part of me, I, I do this list and I don't make another list until February. Like yeah. this is the foundation yeah. of being like, okay, let's get everything down on paper. Then I'm going to be talking about this a lot. And I'm already talking about it now and saying, maybe I am not doing the, sure. the justice for Darvish, right? That's the purpose of this for me. It's my rough draft. It's my, my first iteration that I know I'm going to change. Yeah. Uh, and so the fun for me over the next four months is talking about this a lot. And I think by talking it, it out a ton, this is how I am with everything. Just, just keep saying it and try to... You know, try to make the arguments. Do I, am I doing mental gymnastics to justify what I'm saying? Then that's not the sure. right thing. Cool. I can change that, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that's part of the process. Great. This is what I'm going to try to go with. Oh, no, this isn't right. Let's tweak this, tweak that, tweak that. So I need to have that foundation initially to build off of and expose where, yeah, I don't actually side with that one or not. So we'll see what happens. Much like Creed, you are human clay. Um, oh, wow. So that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Shout like out to our good friend. <laughs> no, no, no. Shout out to our friend Anthony Russo, the biggest Scott Stapp fan <laughs> we know. It's <laughs> the worst part of Korea. Oh, it's, <laughs> yep, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, don't get Nick started on Alter Bridge. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> so Shohei Otani is number 30. Yes. Um, when you bring in, this is a little bit different, put on a different hat here. When you bring in his offensive output to you, in a league where you can use him as one player, is he a oh, top he, 20, 10 player, top 10 yes, player? Yes, yeah, he's he's arguably the number one player. I mean, what he does, because he provides us in one roster spot. It's it is unbelievable how much value you get. Just think of him plus another player. You know, that's what the equivalent is, right? That gets you 40 home runs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it's goes, unreal. Yeah, him plus another player gets you... I, uh, Billy Hamilton gets you 45 home runs. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, but the, I, I will say this, and I'm probably going to be lower on my ranking come February. I'm going to be really thinking about it a lot. I am terrified that this is the most we'll see Otani pitch in a year, is what we just saw. Like, it, it, you know, they were really putting the kid gloves on Otani, and they finally said, you know what? Screw it. Let's just let him fly and see what happens. And you can only do that for so long. So I, I'm a little worried. Yeah, I feel bad. I don't think I'm ever going to draft him because that concern is always going to be there for me. But in another way, I'm actually kind of come full terms with that because it just means that I can enjoy him as a player. You know what there I mean? Now yeah. I can just enjoy watching him work as opposed to being like, please do not hurt yourself. Um, <laughs> Blake Snell, uh, you know, man, I really just don't know what to do with these with these Padres guys. Another guy who once he kind of went to that slider a bunch, it was like, there it is. There's your guy. Um how do you feel about Blake Snell right behind Otani? I might be higher on on Snell and might even be pushing him into the tier four. I really wrestled with that one and just kind of left it where it was. I uh, fast. He was doing the Robbie Ray blueprint. You know, mm. it, it's kind of funny. The Blake Snell blueprint is four seamers up and breaking balls down and uh, intending it to be a sliders and curveballs. But the Robbie Ray one is it like it's <laughs> fastballs medium up. <laughs> Yeah, it's like and, middle, yeah. and then sliders also in the strike, but lower, 
you know, strikes him but lower. That's the Robbie Ray blueprint. And that's what Snell did. And it just was perfect. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, he got hurt by the end. But there is the semblance of just, oh, you are not going to just now go back to your changeup or whatever. Like, you know that this is it. So uh, 31 might be actually, you know, I'm seeing like Lane Kershaw and Charlie Morton. And I'm thinking, I kind of want to take a chance on Blake Snell instead at this point. But uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how the uh, the offseason goes. There's a tier of three rankings here that might be your most interesting uh, because of the history you have with these players. <laughs> and that's Webb, Barrios, and Gallon. Your your, yeah. your 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 feelings about Barrios are very well known. Um, <laughs> the floor. I was very uh, curious to see what you're going to do with Logan Webb, considering how high he's probably going to be going in a lot of drafts. And then also probably one of your lowest rankings of, of Zach Gallon in quite some time coming into a year. Mm, yeah. Kind of talk me through this. I never really thought I would see Gallon below Barrios. Is it more Gallon falling or Barrios taking a step forward yeah, or good question. Um, yeah. Barrios three, five ERA, right? Hey, you kind of did it. You know, yeah. it was pretty cool, buddy. Uh, he's still going to be that for me. Uh, I'm not going to expect a three, four. Now I'm going to expect three, five to three, eight somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. That's the life of Jose Barrios and that's fine. That's cool. We love it. Um, Logan Webb. I, I still, I, I'm not, I don't think I gave the changeup enough. Um, yeah. Enough credit for what it did um, this past year, but it's really just been a slider when he turned it on. Um, and the fastball command, I just, maybe I'm not giving enough attention to that too, but I just don't think that as a slinger, he's going to be as good next year. Cause that's a very much in rhythm thing. Well, okay. There's a chance that the changeup gets better too, to, to counteract it. And the slider was really good, but there's also, I'm not going to all of a sudden just sit here and say that the slider is going to be just as good too. You know, we haven't seen such a long track record of that. And I looked at tier four. And I saw, you know what, I think I feel better about Joe Musgrove and what his repertoire holds and the, the history of Aaron Nola and the overall stuff of McClanahan and Manoa uh, and Max Fried, what he's done and so on that I just thought, yeah, you know what, you're in the next tier. Does your opinion on slingers change based on sinker ballers as opposed to four seamers? No, don't think so. Okay. Okay. Why? What, was there someone you were thinking of? Well, Logan Webb, I mean, he doesn't really throw the four-seamer anymore, right? It's mostly sinkers, right? It's more sinker change slider. Yeah. Um, I think he, and that's when he started having success, right? When he was like, he kind of got rid of that four-seamer and just went more sinker change up slider. I, I so, think and, he really, he locked in more with the slider is my, my understanding. But I mean, I need to, I need to really do a massive thing on Webb this offseason. I, I need to just, look this up more. For every Padre that's interesting to me, the Giants are just another... <laughs> teams no, seriously another team that yeah. I just might bump up my guys two or three because they just continuously exceed well, it depends expectations if they stick there though right Alex Wood what's happening with him Anthony yeah. Stefani what's happening with him so we'll see yeah that is very interesting um so but you didn't really address Gallon then yeah so Zach Gallon I I did not see what I wanted to see by the end which is essentially the trio of secondaries that I fell so hard for that is this curveball cutter and changeup we're not all present uh, mm -hmm. In the final start, but there were indications of life and the four seamer is still really good. Amazing called strike pitch has been always. It was again this year. I think he's just going to be better. And I think by draft season, I'm probably going to be inching him up higher. But at this point, I felt there's so much depth here. There's so many good guys. Dylan seems to figure out a slider and it's really good. 
Mm. Uh, that's an awesome thing. As I just mentioned, Blake Snell and the domination of Shoei Otani and Pablo Lopez is, has come back. And yeah, he's he's still really good. More at 11. Uh, <laughs> there's It's hard for me to... I'm trying to limit as much risk as I can. And I will acknowledge the fact that Gallon had two injuries this year, hamstring and an arm injury. Um, and he didn't get into rhythm this year, but I'm banking, you know, I, it's a chance I'm taking a probability that he'll get back into the guy we envisioned before. And um, while other guys have actually been that thing and that's a lot more convincing. So it, it, that's why he's a little bit lower than I think my love is for him. But the fact that like, I imagine this is where Gallon's going to go. And that's really exciting. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm very excited. I, I just want him to. I still believe. Will, yes. I you're still a gal and gal. We are gal yeah. and gals. Yeah, I still, I still believe. Yes, I still absolutely. believe. Uh, is there anyone else in, in this top 40 that you wanted to hint at? Oh, everyone fast. But you know what? We've run out of time. We've run out wow. of time. Wow. I wasn't expecting that of you. Um, yeah, of I, 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 I wanted you. to give you that opportunity. We also have a, a manager's meeting in 35 minutes. We do. Um, all right, that is going to do it then for episode number 278 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.